Welcome to Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza power! That's right, when super giant pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni. Pizza time. Welcome back to the Pixel Pizza podcast. You just listened to a track fittingly titled Opening as we get started here with our interview. And we are talking with our very own Chiptune Artist of the Week as well as Developer of the Week. They are an up-and-coming solo dev who's worked on such titles as Debugged, Noodlebonks, and the current untitled Cave Game. This is Aurora. How are you doing, Aurora? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the term up and, up and coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's accurate. No, it's been cool to see you getting more steam online. Oh, yeah, for sure. I Frankly, I wasn't expecting to be reached out because I am a pretty small online creator, um, relatively speaking. But it is it was a nice surprise to see your, you reach out, and it, it's pretty validating, I'd say, as a very small creator. Wow, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. I mean, I like to, you know, have a wide range of people I speak to, of uh, people who have worked on their AAAs and people who are... Yeah, just getting started. I think there's a, a a big conversation to be had, and I hope it exposes my audience to uh, a lot of different stages of the game development journey. Yeah, it's yeah. When I saw your previous guest, I was a little starstruck. I was, <laughs> I was thinking, I I don't I don't feel qualified, but I guess yeah, it's it's. It, it is an interesting perspective to provide how we, one starts out. Um, I don't know if that's something that's lost as developers or artists or musicians or whatever become bigger, but yeah, I guess I'd be happy to provide that perspective. <laughs> For sure. Great. So when in your life did you know you wanted to work in games? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think I kind of, fell into it I'd say um I'd always liked video games um but it's not something I actively pursued although I did pursue everything else that goes into making a game um I first started out making I guess <laughs> string quartet arrangements of songs when I was in high school mm. which allowed me to branch out into original pieces so my first works were for string quartet um, but then that eventually led me into music production, which I started getting into by the end of my high school, uh, high school. Um, yeah, when I was in high school, um, when I was in college, I think it was 2019, I started to get into pixel art because I wanted something to accompany my music. Um, 
So I participated in Inktober. I did some Pixel Dailies prompts and did some just Inktober prompts. And I kept that up for, I think, 20 of the 31 days. And I think that's pretty good yeah. for also being a full-time student. Um, but that was a big learning experience. It was sort of my start of really getting into pixel art. Um, I think, oh, way earlier than that, I, I was really into Minecraft and I had done my hand at making a custom texture pack and that didn't last long, but it was a first experience into pixel art. Um, oh, that reminds me when I was in my Minecraft days, I had also done custom map creation, which I guess is a form of game dev, one would say, because there yeah. is programming with redstone and command blocks and the like. Um, but to bring it full circle, or I guess almost full circle, in college, I studied computer science um, with an emphasis in the theoretical computer science. And I also got a minor in mathematics. Um, but again, that's like almost there to game dev. I had the music, I had the art, and then I had the programming aspect of it. Um, I only really started making games after I graduated and was unemployed for six months. <laughs> so I started learning the Godot engine and I think it was summer of 2021, just as something to fill time while on the job search, applying to dozens and dozens of positions. So it was, I guess, yeah, I guess it started as something to fill time, but then it became a very creative expression, I would say just combining all of my hobbies into one thing that I can post and share with people. That's great. Do you remember what, I mean, like, uh, aside from Minecraft, your first pixel art was? I do remember what it was for Inktober 2019. It was, <laughs> it was the picture of a tree stump with some mushrooms growing on it. Mm. Um, because I those that's sort of the vibe I really enjoy. <laughs> Natural elements. I do a lot of that in my art. Um, only recently I've started dabbling in I guess humanoids, um, or just characters in general. But for the most part, I've always done landscapes or objects or the like. Um yeah, that that's it outside of Minecraft. Um, but obviously I did try a texture pack and that that's that is definitely pixel art. I, I wouldn't put any butts on that. That's that's doing pixel art. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I mean, you did touch on something. Something I've noticed in all of your projects is that bugs are heavily involved. And I was curious <laughs> what, what the draw is there for you, what you think makes it a cool creative subject. You know, I often ask that or I ask myself that because I don't really know what draws me to bugs. I think there's an obvious Hollow Knight inspiration because that's oh, that's yeah. one of my favorite games. Um, and recently, Rain World has become a really big one as well. Um, I think it stems from the fact that I really like having tiny characters in a big world. And I think bugs are a great theme for that aspect because you can have a very small character and have very big everyday objects. So it's just... I like doing, I like making things small. I like getting a lot out of a little. And um, that's sort of why I work with pixel art as well. And especially very limited palettes. And I think, I think bugs are 
a great way or a, thema a thematic way to tie into littleness, I would say, because littleness is a theme I really like to explore. Totally. And I think it's so cool when you can sort of take things that are familiar to us in our world and our everyday life and make them seem alien and different and unknown. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of my favorite things about Rain World specifically. Oh, um, yeah. Because it just, it's such an alien, it's an alien world, frankly. I, it pretty much is. It's not humans. It's not our world. But there's a lot of familiar aspects to it. And I, I just really like it. <laughs> I haven't given it much thought yet because it is one of my newest um, really enjoyed games. Um, but it is a big source of inspiration. Yeah, I love because, the guy who yeah. did the music for that, Bright Primate. They, oh my gosh, I've been listening so to the Rain World soundtrack and Bright Primate so much recently. It's <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So good. And I'm very excited for that new game, Animal Well, which sort of has that same vibe. It has a title? I don't know how to title yet. <laughs> oh, it's not their not, new game. I'm, That's a different oh, game. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. And yeah, so also, I mean... You said you were working in the Godot engine. I feel like it's, I, I know a bunch of developers who use it, but I also feel like it's not as big of a name as a Unity or a Game Maker. And I'm oh, curious yeah, to sure. know like what what it has that, that's made it like a really good engine for you to use. Um, For me specifically, I think, again, going back to the themes of littleness, it's a very lightweight engine. Um, it's very simplistic in terms of its programmatic or program design. Everything extends a node object, or I guess <laughs> less technical jargon. Everything's a node. Everything's one type of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's very extensible in that you can basically make anything without having to do a lot of prior research. Um, to give an example, I was also a Unity developer in college. I did that part-time for about eight months. Um, I was working in AR and making some, making an app for showing different types of maps on an AR globe. Um, mm -hmm. But to, to bring it back, what I wanted to mention is that in Unity, you kind of have to know exactly what you're doing. And then you have to go the, find the exact object to use for that. And the Unity docs are not great. Mm. <laughs> They're the most minimal thing. Um, yeah, they're one of the most minimal things. The only only thing that's worse, I think, is the React app or React JS docs, but they're getting a revamp. Um, but Godot, its docs are not best, but they are more than Unity. And combining that with the fact that again, you can make a lot of things just with a few types of nodes. Uh, it just, it agreed with me, basically. I was able to start working in Godot pretty easily. I didn't have to follow many tutorials. I could just start hacking on it with the docs. And I was able to throw together, um, I think my most technically impressive project was my first one. Um, it was a cooking game. Oh. Or, yeah, uh, well, not not quite a game. It was, at its current state, it's just a mini game where you can select an ingredient and chop it up. But what went into that was making a mesh slicer, slicer 
from scratch. <laughs> um, but Godot allowed me to do that pretty easily, I think, because um, you can manipulate everything at a very low level. Um, and yeah, there's access to docs. Um, yeah, it just, yeah, to sum it up, it just agrees with me <laughs> more than Unity did. Great, great. I, I actually was working when I was in college with a team that was building their own game engine. And the documentation oh was like of the utmost importance there. We <laughs> probably amazing. wrote a full novel's worth of just information about how to use it and how it was made. No, that's really good because documentation is one of the things that's a rare it's it's rare in I guess developer spaces in general because no one wants to do it, but it's incredibly important. So it's it's like a it's a pet peeve of mine when there's not good documentation. So I always try to make it even for my own projects. Yeah, and totally. And that's something, you know, when I was doing my research, I was impressed by is that you have you always for like all your projects have a devlog where you talk about how you created and implemented the different features. Yeah, um, to yeah, elaborate on that. I mentioned React.js. One could probably guess I'm a React developer professionally, or not React, JavaScript, um, and I work with React quite a bit. So I do work with open source software so much, and it's it's what makes JavaScript so powerful, I would say. Just the fact that folks can share whatever they make, and other people can use it or extend upon it or make really cool stuff with it. Mm. So being a part of that, I think is an important thing for me. Um, so I want to try to make development as accessible as possible, especially in Godot, since like you said, it is an up and coming thing. It's not as big as Game Maker Unity, but I do hope it is one day. And I hope to play a part in that, I guess, um, in my own little way. Yeah, it's it's great for there to be more options out there and especially ones that are more accessible and easy to understand. So yeah, for sure. One of the things you've been working on recently that I think is really cool is procedural generation in your cave game. And I was wondering because, you know, you said it was more of like a, a learning experience for you. What have you learned about using that and how has it been valuable to you in game design? I'm I'm glad you asked about that. Um Cave, this cave game is definitely a learning project for me. I didn't expect it to like take over the internet or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's a learning experience. Um, I hadn't really done much procedural generation outside of debugged and its maps. So cave game that it it was it was a lot <laughs> to get that algorithm. Um, I tried a lot of different methods. I think at least half a dozen before settling on the one I currently have. And that took months of on and off tinkering and considering and whatnot. Um, so it was, I guess what I learned is that procedural generation is hard. <laughs> it's not something you can tack on anything and make it instantly better, mm -hmm. um, which is why it's so interesting to me. A very algorithm person, algorithmy person, having, again, studied theoretical computer science and mathematics, I really like making something cool that isn't really cool for many people, <laughs> <laughs> something that has a cool result. 
Um, but it's very, very technical and very algorithmy. I enjoy making an optimized fast algorithm that does the job well. And I think cave game was, and it, it specifically its way of generating caves was a really good exercise in that. Um, now that I have that figured out, I'm not really tinkering with that algorithm much. I think to, I, I think I'll make a devlog about that at some point. Um, just to relate it back to your previous question. I did have one response to a recent tweet of mine asking for the algorithm and it is, it was custom. Um, I don't know how original it is by that. I mean, I don't know if someone's done something like it before, but it is an original idea. So I hope to share that with people whenever I get the time to do that. Yeah. It sounds like it's one of those things where like, if you know, you know how <laughs> challenging it is and how great it is that you've accomplished it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm new to procedural generation myself, but it seems <laughs> there's a lot of research and material and reading that, that sort of thing about it. But I just haven't done that yet because again, Game dev is a hobby of mine. I'm not reading research papers for eight hours a day just to make my game a tad bit better. But yeah, it's 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 a fun thing, um, but it is a very difficult thing. Oh, for sure. What what are you doing in addition if it's a hobby right now? Oh, so many things. Um, <laughs> obviously, there's pixel art and music production. Um, I also cook a lot. I mentioned oh. making a cooking game. Awesome. Or um, was making a cooking game. I don't know when or if I'll pick that back up. But yeah, that's a big hobby of mine. I cook most of my meals. Um, I try. I try to min max um, uh, the cost, the time. Try to minimize those, but maximize the homemadiness and also how how tasty it can be. So that that's a fun challenge for me. What are your favorite out what meals to cook? <laughs> oddly enough black beans <laughs> oh. um yeah i've i've developed a specific spice blend for breakfast black beans i've been making those for a while now um though i haven't been cooking that long i learned to cook at 20 20 years old so about what was it how i'm 20, almost 24 <laughs> not that long ago um but yeah it, it's been fun to learn how to cook and to develop basically one of my favorite meals myself. It's very gratifying, I'd say. Yeah, I think not a sponsorship, but I did learn through Blue Apron when I was probably about the same age. <laughs> I learned but, from binging with Babish, I would say. Oh, yeah, he's good. <laughs> yeah, I would binge watch his how to or basics with Babish as I was trying to fall asleep at night and be like, oh, that's something I can try later. Do you find when then you it like? Just, yeah. Do you find when you watch something right before bed, it sticks with you more? I don't think so. I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I personally have a hard time remembering what's new and what's old for me, or just just chronology in general. Um, but I think those times where I can't fall asleep or I'm thinking so much that sticks with me, as one would expect. I think for sure. And how do you sort of, you know, you have the pixel art, you have the music, you have the game design. Which part of that do you typically start with and the, the rest sort of come along? I, that's 
Interesting. Um, I, like you mentioned at the beginning, I'm a very new developer, or maybe I mentioned that I'm very new to this. So it kind of varies from project to project. But I think the program and the pixel art happen at the same time. Um, I work with 2D platformers mostly. So I like to have an animated character and some fluid movement. So the first thing I do is I make a very basic level that I can just jump around in. And once I have a moving box that can do jumps and stuff, I make a character and animate it. And then I try to tweak the jump height or the gravity or the move speed with that character animation in mind to make it work together. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's really the pixel art and the program work together to make the products. Um, and then music comes later because that's the thing that takes me so long. I'm very slow with music. <laughs> so you would say like the the speed and the movement and like the jump height and everything informs the way you design the character? I think it sort of informs, they inform each other. Like with Cave Game, mm -hmm. I think I animated, I animated the character first before deciding on jump height or move speed or whatever. So I picked a move speed that worked well or felt pretty good, but also worked well with the animation. So it was a, it was sort of balancing those two things. So I wanted a really bouncy movement, but not too fast um, due to the fact it's a really small screen, a really small character. And this game's about exploration. So you shouldn't really buzz through everything. <laughs> Pun not intended. That didn't, I didn't mean, mean for that at first. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, but I, yeah, they sort of inform each other. For sure, it's one of the most. Uh, I I don't know what the word I am looking for is, but I don't want to say amazing, but like impressive things. Yeah, impressive is the word I'm looking for because I <laughs> barely skated by in physics in school. Is being. <laughs> games where there's a character i'm thinking like yeah hollow knight and mega man x and different platformers where by looking at the character it's so clear and obvious the way they're going to move and they're going to jump and interact with the world it's i'm sure it takes so much fine tuning to figure that out but it's it seems so seamless yeah, that's an interesting thing. I don't know if I consciously consider that when making a character's speed, jump height, um, acceleration, deceleration. It's it's just it's it's a lot of tweaking until it feels good. I'm, I'm not very technical about it, even though I make my games very technical um, from a program perspective. But it's yeah, that's a good point of the character design visually informs the player how they can move. I hadn't considered that before, but I think you're totally right about that. Oh, thanks. And something I was curious about is, I mean, maybe this is thinking far in the future, but if you had like the ideal budget and team to make a full retail game, what would it look like? Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'd consider that before. Um, I think, honestly, the first thing I'd do is I'd find a lawyer. Because <laughs> I, I know there's a lot of contracts and that's, even though I like learning things, that's not what I want to learn. Uh, <laughs> I could probably do it. I just don't want to do it. 
I, I think I'd want to be a technical director slash art director in that regard. Because I, I have a very picky visual style of having a limited palette. And that requires, at least in my games, a fair bit of, I guess, technology to be created um, or techniques at least. So to, I think to answer your question, I don't exactly know what the game would be, but I sort of have an idea of what the art direction would be like. And you can probably tell what that would be like from my current games. So I really do like a very limited palette. That's an aesthetic I very much enjoy. Um, yeah. I, something that immediately stuck out to me was noodle bonks, like the pastels that you created with the art direction really striking. I appreciate that. I can't take credit for the palette though. That's one I got off of low spec. Oh. <laughs> um, but I think I think to what you're hinting at, I did pick a palette based on what I wanted the gameplay to be like. So yeah, the palette definitely informs sort of the vibe of the game. Um, <laughs> I am a very vibes first type of developer. That's great. So I think now is probably a good time for us to go to our musical break for the episode. We're going to be hearing another track from Aurora, and this one is called Hot Spot. So listen to that, and we'll be right back.
welcome back to the Pixel Pizza Podcast. You just listened to Hot Spot by our guest and chiptune artist of the week, Aurora. And maybe we've touched on this already, but what is something of your development process that nobody knows? Nobody knows. Hmm. Um, I think what I'd touch on since nothing's really set in stone in terms of processes at this point, I would say some of the technical sides of it, um, specifically the color replacement shader that I have going on in Cave Game right now that drives the lighting system. Um, yeah, it, it's based on a technique I started with this cooking game, um, allowing 3D objects to have or to be driven by very limited palettes. Noodlebox has it as well, which I did detail in that devlog. Um, but Cave Game, I think, is the culmination of that, or sort of it sort of pushes how far a color replacement shader can be. Mm. Um, in particular, it does use every single green value in a unique way. Um, it uses several of the blue and red values. So maybe it doesn't quite push it to its limits, but it is, it's incredibly specific. Um, it is something I'm proud of as a technique. I don't know how accessible it is or how many people would be willing to use it, but I do think it's something that I do want to write a devlog about. Um, to give a broad overview, it sort of enables me to have four different sprites to represent a single sprite at different light levels. And then and it codes it as a green value. So for every pixel, you can identify which of the four colors in the palette are at which of the four light levels. And then you can encode it with just the green value. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it is something I'm proud of, but again, it's very technical. technical. <laughs> so I don't know how interesting it would be unless you're trying to recreate the sort of thing. But it is something I'm proud of. It's something I enjoy doing. That's great. That's... What are the top three things you would say that kind of make your games your own? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I think I'll use debugged as a, no, I won't use debugged as a template because that was cooperative um, or collaborative. Oh, who did you so I think number with? one. Oh, I, I collaborated with a, another game dev, a Godot game dev named Spoon Suite. Mm -hmm. um, I reached out to him because I wanted to participate in Game Off 2021. And I was looking through my Twitter mutuals who were also Godot developers. Um, I really like his style. His animations are very bouncy, squishy, stretchy, and I think they're really fun. Mm -hmm. So I'll give him a shout out. <laughs> Go check yes. him out at Spoon Suite One on Twitter. Um, but yeah, back to, back to the main question. Mm -hmm. I think we've touched on this a bit. Um, my games are very pixel art focused. Work with a limited palettes. Um, pixel Perfect is one that I think isn't not quite appreciate appreciated isn't the right word, but it's not one that developers strive for very often, I think. Um, because there are games where, like Stardew Valley, for example, the sprites aren't limited to the same pixel grid. And I don't think that's an, uh, an important thing, but it's important to me. So that's a specific thing I strive for. Um, yeah, so everything to have the same pixel grid, everything to have the same palette, and I think my music, basically, <laughs> um, is another one. 
yeah i i like i said vibes first is the development i go for so i guess that can be the thing number three that it all tries to have a cohesive vibe <laughs> Yeah, I can we I can definitely tell that. And I guess more specifically the music, how would you describe your own musical style? I've struggled with that. Like I've had to write a Spotify bio Mm -hmm. or a SoundCloud bio about what my music is. Um, it's very orchestral ambient inspired, but it also has chiptune beats to it. And it also has very basic synths to it, like a lot of reverb. It, it's mm, electronic orchestral chiptune. Yeah, I, I, I'm struggling to give it like adjective noun sort of descriptor. But I think I described it decently well. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's that sounds about right from like what I've heard. And I, I know you mentioned Rain World, but are there any games you're playing right now that are really inspiring you? Uh, that's a hard one. I've been trying to play more indie games in general, mm. just due to the fact I'm taking this hobby a tad bit more seriously. As one could probably tell that I'm posting weekly and now for every other level. Um, so I don't have as much time to dig into every single game. Um, I think, yeah, Rain World is probably the most recent one that I take a ton of inspiration from. Um, obviously, there's Minecraft and Hollow Knight due to their exploration aspects, specifically. I, I picked cave games themes around, yeah, the exploration aspects of Hollow Knight and exploring Minecraft caves. So I do really enjoy, in both of those games, when you run across a very interesting or pretty or cool or insert good descriptor here um little areas in caves in those games or in hollow Knight, just anywhere since it's all in a cave oh yeah um, i'm pulling up my steam library <laughs> so i can um see what i've been playing recently no i think rain world is the most recent one nice yeah it's always cool when you find some kind of detour or something that really makes you want to go explore even if you're oh yeah someone like me who's just normally wants to do the crit path but when there's some endorphin that goes off in your brain when you see a cave or a crevice or something that you got to check it out yeah for sure we'll get caught up in that tomorrow with tears of the kingdom oh this episode (laughs) yeah really Uh, incredible looking at all the reviews and I'm t- I'm too hyped for that now. I haven't even seen the reviews, but I pre-bought it and pre-downloaded it. So I'm going to play oh, it nice. tonight as soon as I can. <laughs> oh, then you'll get to it faster than me. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you say your hopes are for the rest of the year for what you're doing with your games? Um, that's That is interesting. Uh, I think in 2021, I made some New Year's resolutions that were very lofty, considering the fact I started my full-time job in 2022. So I'll keep, I'll try to limit my goals based on the fact I couldn't 
really meet them having a full-time job and cooking all my meals and that sort of thing. Um, so I think my goal is to get cave, cave game to a demoable state where I could share it with anyone and they could have a full game experience, not saying it's finished, um, just sort of to get an idea of what the caves will be like. I want to, yeah, I want to develop just the look and feel of the caves. Um, if I get more than that, great. But if I don't, that's fine. Um, cause there is a ton more to do with cave game just because right now it's just rocks <laughs> yeah. as of last week there were finally some light sources so um, yeah the lighting looks yeah. great thank you yeah that's that's finally the lighting system coming together a little bit is there any particular feedback you've gotten already on your itch or twitter or anything that's been valuable uh, not really. That's sort of the problem of being a small developer. I mostly mm. get, I'm really thankful for this. I have a really nice circle of Twitter and itch mutuals um, where I get exclusively positive feedback, which feels great. Um, but there's not much improvement I've been given. Um, I do ask my fiance for tips and stuff and she gives me things, but um, aside from her, there's not really anyone who, it gives me things I can improve on, um, which I, it feels good. But at the same time, it's like, are they just really saying this to be nice? Or right. There's that imposter syndrome. Yeah. Even with my podcast, sometimes I wonder that. Is your fiance also a game developer? No, she's a, well, she's a gamer, but ah. um, no, she's not. <laughs> well, it, it's still always good to have that external perspective for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so that was all the questions I had lined up for you, Aurora. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I don't think I had anything extra. Um, I did want to talk about some of my techniques, which I did do. Because, again, I'm very proud of those. They're, they're yeah. what I have the most fun doing. But I think we've got to touch on those sufficiently okay or enough for people to check out the devlogs if they would like to for sure are there any other techniques or i don't think so i i do want to write up how i generate caves and cave game um because it is i think unique but no those are the big two in cave game the main color replacement shader and how the caves are generated mm. uh great so then I think, I, I know it's been short, but it's definitely been, uh, had a lot of good information in here. So I'm very glad about that. And Aurora, this is the Pixel Pizza Podcast. Where is your favorite pizza place? You know, I, I sort of saw this question coming. I was listening to you. <laughs> I think I'd have to say, my favorite pizza place is a local one called Rose's Pizza from where I'm from um, or where I grew up. Mm -hmm. They make a pretty good, pretty, re really good pizza. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like their standard pizza, pepperoni and cheese. It's, it's pretty mm -hmm. good, um, especially since I don't get red sauce pizza that often just because my fiance doesn't like it. Wow. Um, so <laughs> whenever I go home, I get pizza from this pizza place. And it's, it's quite nice. That's great. A taste of home. Pretty much.
Do you, since you cook, have you cooked your, your own pizzas? I haven't, I have a pizza stone even. I oh. haven't committed to doing it because I'm like, oh, my, my oven's not hot enough. That's just excuses like that. Or I don't know how to make a pizza dough, even though I can learn how to make a pizza dough. <laughs> wow. So it's just, yeah, I just haven't gotten around to it, though I do want to try it. Yeah, I, I well, post pictures or something if you do. <laughs> Will do, I'll tag you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, then that about wraps things up. Thank you so much for joining me, Aurora. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been a, been a real pleasure. Yeah, likewise. So where can people keep track of you and your work? Um, I think the best places are on my Twitter or Tumblr or even my itch. Um, all of which are at GG Auroras, um, no spaces. But yeah, those, those are the places one can find me. Um, I do have a SoundCloud where I post tracks occasionally, but right now making Cave Game um, is sort of the priority. So I'll, I'm mostly active on Tumblr and on Twitter. For sure. That's great. And I, I mean, another question I like to ask is username origins. What's the GG? Is it just good game or is there there's something else to it? There is a little something else to it. Um, I did, well, I did partially pick it because GG, but when I first picked the Glaceon adjacent theming, mm. um, I created a YouTube channel called Glacy Glace, but <laughs> I didn't have any idea what to do with it. Um, so eventually when I made my new Twitter username, um, I put GG because abbreviation of Glacy Glace, but also good game, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the Aurora comes from the fact that I was talking to my best friend about, oh, what can I name this music themed Glaceon? And they were like, uh, uh, Aurora is a Disney princess. I'm like, oh, you know what? That's a really good one. Well, it's also so that's where it came attack, from. Aurora Beam. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So it ties in well there. Well, that's a cool story behind it for sure. So I'm surprised it stuck. <laughs> yeah. It's, I feel like it's so often those things you think of in your early days, those whatever names that end up sticking with you through your whole Yeah, online it's really persona. funny how that happens. For sure. So then I think that's about the end of it. And we will head off with one more track from Aurora themselves. And this is called Road Trip. So have fun with that. We'll see you next week. Pixel Pizza out. All right. <laughs>